Live and local. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. It's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves. Here's your host, the Blonde Bomber, Jordy Holtberg. And a great good afternoon. I don't know about you, but um, I'm ready for some warm weather and some sunshine again. I miss it. I miss that orb in the sky. But it is what it is. Another chilly day this Wednesday, November 16th, the year 2022. Tigers, as expected, move up to number six in the college football playoff poll. We'll talk about that and much, much more with a full-fledged packed guest list as always. My main man, James Mesh, back in the master control suite. He is uh, sitting in a chair, and just imagine, it looks like the Star Trek Enterprise. He's got buttons everywhere. He's got screens everywhere. I don't know how he does what he does, but I'm so thankful that he does it. So he's, he's pushing all those buttons, making this thing run smoothly and professionally in the game studios which are on the campus of delta media the conglomerate which uh, houses klwb which is 1037 lafayette we're also on in lake charles on 1041 fm uh, thank you all for your listenership we greatly appreciate that we're streaming around the world 1037thegame.com 1041thegame.com and we are on your television set in the Acadiana area, just pop on your TV because we're simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. Did you miss the headlines of the day? Not to worry. The Blonde Bomber has you covered. Here is Holtberg's headlines. Well, another basketball game and another 100-point performance today in a uh, kids' day at the Pete Maravich Assembly Center to watch Kim Mulkey's LSU Lady Tigers or the LSU women's basketball team take on the Houston Baptist Huskies. Uh, A two-point lead by LSU after one quarter. Well, it just, um, it ballooned from there. The Tigers outscored the Huskies 24-5 in the second, 25-12 in the third, 30-10 in the fourth. Yes, 4-0 and yes, Four consecutive games over the century mark. LSU wins it 101-247. Angel Reese, 29 points, 16 rebounds. Girl can play in 33 minutes. A whole bunch of other Tigers scored. They cleared the banks. It was about 6,000 kids getting getting out of school and to go watch a little basketball game at 11 o'clock. So, again, we will talk uh, basketball when they start playing teams with a pulse. After the players' deaths in that sad, sad, tragic situation uh, that killed three Virginia football players, Virginia did the right thing, and they canceled their home finale um, against Coastal Carolina on Saturday. No decision has been, ma- has been made on the season finale against Virginia Tech on November 26th in Blacksburg, I'll make the decision, Virginia. Just, just call it a, call it a day. Let's get past this and let's move on to next year, please. Um, Mike Collins, a um, another football player, running back from U High in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, uh, 
was shot along with three other players and another student. Um, Holland survived but remains hospitalized after being shot in the back. The other student who survived is considered to be in good condition. So um, the suspected shooter, Virginia, former Virginia football player Christopher Darnell Jones Jr., arrested by police on Monday. He was uh, He's 22 years old. He was denied bail during a court hearing Wednesday. So uh, Virginia will not play football this weekend, as rightly so. And uh, they should probably end the season as well. Uh, no Zion Williamson, but no problems for the New Orleans Pelicans. I mean, C.J. McCollum had 30, and they beat their divisional rival, the Memphis Grizzlies. So good, good win for the Pels. Um in the ball game last night, Williamson with a little foot problem yet again. Uh, he's out. Uh, ja Morant led the scoring with 36, but the Pels still found a way with, to win without Williamson, and they beat the Grizzlies 113-102. C.J. McCollum busted out of his shooting slump, scored a season-high 30 points. New Orleans improved to 8-6, and six. and tonight they play the Chicago Bulls on a home, rare home, back-to-back. Very rare. So um, we'll detail that uh, with Will Guillory um, coming up at the 3 o'clock hour. College football poll is out. LSU number six. It's the same old same old horse race. Georgia one, Ohio State two, Michigan three, TCU four, Tennessee five, and LSU six. The big, big debate is... And they talked about it last night. Um, what do you do if LSU wins out, Tennessee wins out? Um, you've got clarity. Ohio State, Michigan coming up next week. And if there's an, unless there's a major upset this week with Michigan and against Illinois or Ohio State against Maryland, the loser of that game, Tennessee's just kind of sitting there waiting. Whoever loses that game, if Tennessee keeps winning, it looks like they are, right? The, pen- the potential debate would be the loser of Ohio State-Michigan game with, of course, Tennessee. But the wild card is LSU. Tigers win out, beat Georgia in the championship game. What do you do? Is LSU in? Is Tennessee in? Is Georgia in? Uh, what do you do with the SEC? And there's a variety of topics on this, and we'll, we'll discuss this with Mr. College Football, Tony Barnhart. Uh, coming up here in just a few minutes. Uh, Wilson Alexander from The Advocate will also join us in this hour. We'll talk about the the uh, the brainstorm behind the uh, the hot chicken broth and some of the other great hires that this LSU football program has made. And look ahead to UAB on Saturday. Will Guillory will join us in hour number two to talk about the Pels win. Mike Huguenin, another hump day with Huguenin on a Wednesday as we talk about all things that happened last Saturday and we'll look ahead, Georgia faces its toughest road game of the year. And they go to Kentucky who just got beat at home by Vanderbilt. You see that? You see what I'm saying? So when you look at, when you look at the, uh, the strength of schedule and that, that's, that to me is so important. Um, Strength of schedule for teams in the college football chase, Tennessee's at number three, LSU's at number 11. TCU number 38, 
Georgia 44, Clemson 55, Ohio State 60, USC 65, Michigan number 82. <laughs> Overall opponent records. Here's another one. Georgia 62. Their opponents are a combined 62 wins, 38 losses. LSU second, 61 wins, 39 losses. Tennessee third, 60 and 41. At the very bottom, where you've got Ohio State, combined record of their opponents, 49 wins, 52 losses. USC, 46 wins, 54 losses. And the team that hadn't played anybody yet, Michigan, 45 wins, 57 losses. It's got to be something said about all that. It's got to be something about that. You got your scheduling so darn easy. So darn easy. Um, and it becomes one of those scenarios, again, LSU, Tennessee, Georgia. And it's asking an awful lot for LSU to win out and to beat Georgia. If that is the case, and if that so happens, LSU will beat the number one team in the country. Tennessee beat, got humbled by the number one team of the country, Georgia. Tennessee beat the pants off of LSU. So that it's kind of a triangle. Everybody has a discussion. Well, we should do that. We should do that. We should do that. It'll be interesting to say the very, very least. No question about that. Um, when you, you know, LSU basketball will, will play again tomorrow against UNO. That's fine. Um, UNO, not a bad club. Well coached. Always well coached. That'll be a, That'll be a, a nice test for the men's side. Kim Mulkey, schedule somebody, please. Schedule somebody. So anyway, um, 11 minutes after the hour, we've got a lot to talk about, a lot to delve into, a lot of scenarios out there. But first, Lyle Lovett and his acoustic group are coming to the Heyman Performing Arts Center on Friday, February 24th. You won't want to miss this incredible night of live music. Pre-sale tickets go on sale Thursday, tomorrow, starting at 10 a.m. Get your tickets at Ticketmaster.com and use the pre-sale code Lyle, L-Y-L-E. Once again, get your pre-sale tickets Thursday to see Lyle Lovett and his acoustic group at the Heyman Performing Arts Center. Visit Ticketmaster.com and use the pre-sale code Lyle. Uh, Tony Barnhart, Mr. College Football, joins us next as we get rolling on this middle-of-the-week Wednesday, November 16th, here on the Jordy Helper Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. You're home for heading to the SEC championship game, LSU Tigers, and your World Series champion, Houston Astros. Come on back. Tune in every weekday at 8.15 a.m. and 3.15 p.m. for the LSU Sports Update, presented by Tibbs Trailers here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. And down the stretch we come in the college football season. Still games of significance and importance and all eyes on the conference championships and the, the final four. Mr. College Football, Tony Barnard, kind enough to join us. Tony, good afternoon, sir. How are you? Jordy, I am well. Thank you very much. Good to be um, here. Yeah, no, no surprises, right? Although I still, because if you look at the strength of schedule, if you look at who teams have played and what their combined records are. I still would have put TCU ahead of Michigan. I would have put the Horn Frogs at three and Michigan at four. That's just me. Tell me if I'm why I'm wrong or why I'm right. Well, I I, I have TCU at four. I think Michigan's a little bit better. 
football okay. team. They run the ball exceedingly well, but we're going to find out when they play Ohio State. Right. And the, que- the question is, does TCU belong in there ahead of Tennessee when all is said and done? Well, That's I, the question. Yeah, you look at the, you know, the eyeball test may tell you no. Um, Tennessee looks pretty darn good, although, you know, they went to Georgia and just like LSU when they played Tennessee, it, they laid an egg and they got beat and got beat pretty badly. Well, it's, it, put it this way. If you're a Tennessee fan and you want your team to have a chance to get in, you better pull for Georgia to beat LSU. Because oh. if LSU beats Georgia, LSU is in, my friends. And if Georgia loses to LSU, Georgia is in, my friends. And the Ohio State Buckeyes or the Michigan Wolverines as Big Ten, undefeated Big Ten champ, they are in, my friend. Yeah. And we're going to have us a big old argument about TCU, Tennessee, Maybe twelve and one USC, maybe twelve and one Clemson. We'll have a big old argument about number. <laughs> Do you think we will get to that um, twelve team or whatever it's going to be shortly thereafter, or do you think this thing is gonna gonna hold on a little bit longer? Well, I, I know what the presidents want. The presidents want it now. They yeah. want it tomorrow, and they're right. Uh, and I promise you, if Tennessee gets left out after all this, you're gonna have a you're gonna have a twelve team playoff. Awfully fast. 24, 24 is the earliest it can happen. And a lot of people have got to say yes. And it's hard to get these guys to say all to say yes on anything. I don't know why they wouldn't. It just gives everybody else a more, more of an opportunity. You can get more teams from your conference in this situation. And then that means there's more money to go around. I just yep. don't understand why anybody would say no. Uh, it baffles me as well. Uh, the logistics of the calendar are an issue that's yeah. got to be worked through. Yeah. Uh, and so I think it's going to, I still think it's going to happen in 24. But are they going to make getting they, there? It's painful. Are they going to make the SEC go to a nine game conference schedule? They're not going to make the SEC do okay. anything. The okay. SEC may decide to do it. There are a number of good reasons to go to a nine game conference schedule. One of which is, I mean, aside, aside for the fact that your television partners want more inventory, right. that's, that's, that's number, that's number one. one. Yeah. But number two, a nine-game conference schedule, what, what a nine-game conference schedule would do is you, would have, you could create a scheduling model, a th- what we call a 3-9 scheduling model, three, a 3-6 scheduling model, I should say. Okay. Uh, three permanent six that rotate, and then every four years – Every, everybody would play everybody else home and away in a four-year period. I love it. And that, that's what, you know, Nick Saban said this several years ago. He's absolutely right. He said, there is absolutely no reason that a guy who comes to play in the SEC should not, if he stays four years, he should play everybody in the conference home and away in the four years he's in school. And, he, and Nick Saban is absolutely right about that. I, I agree. I agree. No question about that. Uh, Tony Barnhart with us. Um, how about Cadillac Williams in Auburn? Did you, Great is story. He, is he making a – does he have a remote chance to get that job? He has. He, he doesn't have a – I can't say he has a remote chance. What he will get, should get, absolutely positively must get, is a legitimate interview, okay, right. to sit down and make his case and here's – Here's what we've done. But if you're telling me, or if you're asking me, do I think Cadillac Williams is going to get the job? I don't think he will. Simply because, uh-huh. simply because Auburn must get this right. If they don't get this right, 
then they're going to fall further behind and further behind and further behind. Because I promise a- you, Georgia's not going to quit giving scholarships. Right. Okay. Neither right. is Alabama. Right. Neither is LSU. Neither is Texas A&M. Yeah. Auburn has to get this right. I admire greatly what Cadillac Williams has done. He has reunited an Auburn family, and it showed. It showed last Saturday night. That, that was impressive. Yes. Last yeah. Saturday night. But it do I think you. he will get the job? I no. don't think he will get the job. Wouldn't it be who whoever does get the job to somehow, some way, keep him on staff in some form or fashion? No doubt. No doubt. Yeah. Uh, that that's he is. He, his energy and sheer force of will has lifted that Auburn program, which was just in the yeah. ditch. Yeah, he got them to believe again, and that is not easy to do. Much like I said about the NFL, when Jeff Saturday got the job at uh, Indy, I said all the pressure in the world's on Josh McDaniels with the Raiders uh, because he's got a coach against him. He's got everything to gain, nothing to lose. Mm-hmm. Same thing held true for Cadillac Williams. What does this say about Texas A&M? My goodness. They're just not very good. Uh, they're, just, they're not very good. They're not particularly well coached. The quarterback oh. play has been dismal. Um, they look like and, they've checked out. Yeah, I, I don't see a whole lot of I don't see a whole lot of interest. I picked uh-huh. Auburn. I picked Auburn to win that game because I just I, I said Auburn's Auburn's players want to play for their coach, and I don't believe the Texas A&M players do. It was awfully cold in Fayetteville. Awfully cold. <laughs> Tigers had to have chicken broth on the sidelines. They had the flu bug going around. But uh, you've seen a lot of really good players. You've seen a lot of players uh, with outstanding games. Um, Harold Perkins had one of those, didn't he? Oh, my goodness. I'm sitting there <laughs> watching him going, you know, you know here, here, here goes a quarterback from Arkansas who's got great speed, who was a track guy, track who has star. great speed, and yeah. Perkins – chased him down he's trying to get out on the corner and all of a sudden here comes 40 and he can't get away (laughs) it was an amazing thing to watch i heard brian kelly say something i've never heard before he said teams are now you know how perkins is a spy on defense he he kind of waits and lurks for he says now people are spying on harold perkins yeah i said i've never heard of that before but they are yeah well you come to the line of scrimmage where's 40 yeah what and 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 you, you adjust your protections to where 40 is. You know, there's what, no, that was an amazing performance. What did that win tell you about LSU? Because obviously, look, Arkansas played a heck of a game, I thought, defensively. Yeah. Uh, LSU did. did not play a heck of a game offensively, but they found a way to win. And people don't understand, wins on the road against teams that give scholarships and pay coaches handsomely, that ain't easy. Coach told me one time, when you're playing an SEC game on the road, win it by one point, get on the bus, and go home. As fast That's as you it. can. <laughs> just, just get, just get, just get out of there and and get home. It was, I thought it was a. I thought Coach Kelly said it best after the game. I got a tough group of guys who figure out ways to win. Yeah. yeah. And you can get no higher compliment from your coach than he admires his players' ability to find a way to win, and they and they did. They found a way to win that game. Tony Barnhart, Mr. College Football. I don't hear Mark Stoops uh, com- t- saying it's a football school and complaining when John Calipari says it's uh, a basketball school anymore. Mercy. He's kind of gotten quiet, hasn't he? Well, it just, it, it's been a very, very disappointing year for them. Yeah. Just uh, they've had some 
difficult game. Obviously, losing to Vanderbilt and snapping the twenty-six game lose SEC losing streak. Losing that was, and, and you know, when Chris Rodriguez is rolling, they're doing. They seem to do pretty well. And Chris Rodriguez, Chris Rodriguez did everything he could do to win that game against Vanderbilt. My yeah. goodness, yeah. Uh, but they just they, they're not as good defensively, and then their quarterback. Nice player, but he just is, he has not played well down the stretch. There's no, there's no, and, and look, he's been banged up. To be fair, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but he he is. They have not gotten performance out of him. They had hoped. Yeah, he was supposed to be the first pick in the draft. I'm like, yeah. what? <laughs> and still may be because he's got he's got all the physical tools. He's just yeah. not he's just not playing well right now. Is Hendon Hooker the uh, Heisman Trophy favorite, or is there somebody else? Well, C.J. Conrad at, at, at and Ohio State's going to get a lot of votes. He's put up some incredible numbers, okay. uh, but when you when you look at the numbers that Hooker's put together, and he's, he oh by the way, he still only has two interceptions, right, right, for the whole for the whole year. Uh, give my man Stetson Bennett a little love. He's not he's not going to win it, but he's playing mm-hmm. awfully well. He, I mean that team, he just puts that team on his back and says, okay, how can we get it in the end zone? I'll throw it to number eighty. Or I'll throw it to number 19, who's a pretty good right. player. So is number zero. I can throw it to him. Yeah. Or, you know, it's a 13-yard run to the end zone. I'll just run it myself. <laughs> Tony Barnhart with us. Um, back to LSU. I-, I said this, and, you know, people can say what they want. It's just my opinion. That game, I think, 13 to 10, and a win helps LSU, but it also helps LSU for the future. I think, I think that's the kind of game that makes Jaden Daniels say, you know what? I think I need to stay in school another year. Mm-hmm. I need to hone my skills, and maybe I can have a season like Hendon Hooker and maybe win the Heisman or be in contention for the Heisman and elevate my draft status. If he comes back next year, I know we're not through this year, but, man, how good is LSU going to be next year? Absolutely. you got, you got you got a lot to build on, and there's no question that he's, he's playing well, but he, he, could, he could stand another year. I don't think there's any. I don't think there's any question about it. Yeah, yeah. Are you um, no surprise that Georgia is a 16 point favorite over LSU in the SEC championship game? I was surprised by that. Yeah, were you? Because I think LSU is really good defensively. Okay. Uh, so I was surprised by that number. Uh, Georgia's done pretty good about um, covering the spread this year, but yeah, I'm, that's that's that seems like a big number to me. This is the worst week in college football, as far as yep. I'm concerned. Austin yep. P, East Tennessee State, UMass, uh, Western Kentucky, um, New Mexico State. I think LSU got the toughest draw in UAB. UAB has been, has been a tough out uh, over the years. So I think we got three conference games, four conference games, yeah. something. Yeah, you know, Ole Miss, I, Arkansas lost its luster. Georgia has its toughest road game at Kentucky. They just got beat by Vandy. Yep. And Tennessee at South Carolina? Come on. Yeah, this, this week, week. I, I've always I heard people complain about it. So look, guys, this, this week is the week a week you got to live with, okay? Yeah. Because it, you know the middle of August you're going to play somebody uh, of uh, the middle of uh, November you're going to play somebody really good, and then you got your rivalry game at the end of the month, and so if you don't have an open date, you got to play somebody that sets you up to play your rivalry game. So yeah. I don't like it, but it, it's I know why I know why it is what it is. All right. Well, we shall see. It's, you still think there's a shot that the SEC gets three teams in, or he got no shot? Two not really. Not, well, well, here's how it happens. LSU beats Georgia. 
Right. All right. LSU beats Georgia. They're both in. Okay. TCU loses. If TCU loses, then now you've got a real fun argument because you got you got a eleven and one Tennessee with wins against Alabama and LSU, a dominating performance against LSU, by right. the way. Right. Uh, and so nobody will have two better wins than Tennessee in that scenario. Yeah. But the committee has always told us, you know, all else kind of being equal, if you're a conference champion, we're going to notice that. So does a does a twelve and one Clemson, that's an ACC champ, get in ahead of a eleven and one Tennessee with their resume? No does way. a twelve and one yeah. USC, uh, the Pac twelve champion, do do they go in ahead of Tennessee? And you know, now. Here, TCU needs to lose. If you're a right. Tennessee fan, you better be pulling hard for Baylor to beat TCU right. this weekend. Right. And that's doable. I just, I just, the committee, I don't care how good Tennessee is, the committee is not going to leave out a 13-0 and Power 5 champion. Champion, that's right. To put in the third team from the Southeastern Conference. <laughs> that's right. I just that's don't right. think that's going to happen. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm with you. Let, let's take that one to the bank, Tony Barnhart, Mr. Yes. College Football. Thank you as always. Enjoy your uh, week, and happy Thanksgiving to you. And to you and yours. Take care. You're the best. Take care of the family and those grandchildren. That's uh, that's terrific. College that's football at, at its best with Tony Barnhart. We'll take a quick break here. Uh, When we come back, we will uh, discuss LSU in particular. Wilson Alexander of The Advocate will join us. But if you're looking for great stocking stuffers this holiday season, look no further than the Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. As a member of our rewards club, you'll have the opportunity to score excellent prizes like a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Takeout at Cypress Bayou or a $50 gift certificate to the Half Shell Oyster House or a $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen. But you can only score these great stocking stuffers by becoming a member of the Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. It's free. It's simple. So go sign up today. More LSU football after this time out here on the Jordy Helper Show. Every day is a Chamber of Commerce kind of day when you're listening to the Jordy Holberg Show. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros in Southwest Louisiana. All right, we are back. Big game in college hoops last night. Michigan State beat Kentucky 86-77 in double overtime. Big time college hoops early. Kim Mulkey, you listening to me? Let's schedule a good team, please. Um, LSU, um, with lots of goals in front of them. And I think we owe uh, Saturday's win to our next guest because he wrote an article about number 40 that came out in The Advocate that Saturday morning. I think Harold Perkins Jr. read it. I think he was inspired. So, Wilson Alexander, if I had a game ball to give away, I would give it to you, sir. Good afternoon. <laughs> hey, Jordy. I mean, hey, I, I appreciate that. I don't. You're giving me way too much credit, though. Um, but I'll take the game ball. I mean, you know those, I, I, you know I, those I, kids yeah, read that but, stuff. <laughs> I certainly could. I, I can't. I can't help Harold Perkins chase down uh, Malik Hornsby, though. That's all him. Yeah, but you you know they read that stuff, and he got all jacked up and pumped up. He said, "Flu? Heck with the flu! How rampant is that flu bug around that program? Do you think?" 
Uh, Brian Kelly used the words fairly pervasive on Monday. Uh, having talked to a few sources, I, I think there were a good number of players either having just come off of it recently or still dealing with it. We obviously know Harold was, Micah Baskerville was, and that's a big part of why they had, it got sort of mocked, but it was a big reason why they had chicken broth, hot chocolate and coffee on the sidelines was, um, it was, you know, the players had to acclimate really quickly um, from pretty hot weather in Louisiana last week to really frigid temperatures in Arkansas. And some of them were coming off of the flu. um, And that was part of the reason why. So I think it's been uh, going around in that program. You are the, uh, you are the ace scooper. You, You come up with all the stuff. So out of the three, which was the most consumed and which was the least consumed? My bet is chicken broth was number one. I think coffee was in the middle. Hot chocolate slows you down, I think. Makes you want to just go sit down and watch a movie or something. Um, so I'm just I wonder. I'm, I'm seriously curious. Minds want to know. I wish that I had an answer for you on that one. I don't know which one was consumed the most. It was not something I thought to try to figure out. But I can tell you. That the hot chocolate was kind of like you know, you've got sugar in there, and that sugar in the hot chocolate can kind of give you some energy, and the warmth in there can help. The coffee would you would think you might not want too much caffeine, but that's kind of like um, it sort of helps the body apparently in some ways, right. kind of adjust to those frigid cold temperatures and and raise the body temperature faster in a climate that you're not used to. Um, and then of course the the broth, as Brian Kelly actually you know mentioned a couple times when I asked about this week. There's sodium in there that's going to help from like with fluid retention and that kind of thing. But I don't have the answer on which one was drunk, which one was consumed the most, unfortunately. But but I, I know I, I speak in jest here. But the reason I bring this up is I've been involved with LSU football for decades. I've been on the sideline for decades. I've been there in the hottest of heat, and I've been there in the coldest of cold. I've been in Shreveport, Louisiana, for the Independence Bowl when it felt like it was two degrees outside. Point being, I've never, ever, ever, I've seen the heaters on the sideline. I have never seen chicken broth or coffee or hot, nothing like that. Take me behind. I mean, there's a genius to this thing. And it just tells me this coaching staff and this support staff, they leave no stone unturned. So that was all Matt Frakes. He's their nutrition director. Um, he was yeah. one of the first people who Brian Kelly hired. Uh, when Brian took the job here at LSU, he had worked with Brian for a year at Notre Dame um, and, he, and you know, been working his way up through sort of the ranks and, and as a nutrition director for a few years. Um, and Brian Kelly called him a must hire because he's the nutrition program is very closely uh, direct, I guess, uh, connected to what they do within the strength program and then also in athletic training. It's a big piece of Brian Kelly's sort of overall philosophy to player development. And Matt Frakes is the one uh, who directs that. It's very detailed. Um, he tells players when to eat, uh, a lot of what to eat, gives them some different kinds of supplements. And in this case, he was the one who came up with uh, putting those things on the sideline uh, to help with what we mentioned earlier um, to try to get them through that game against Arkansas. Wilson Alexander with us. It's just brilliant. It's senior day this weekend against UAB, but I noticed people like John Emery. Greg Brooks, Seven Banks, Jay Bramlett, Jaden Daniels, who's in his fourth season but is listed as a junior, not taking part in senior day. I like that. Come on back, Jaden. It's, it is interesting. Um, you know, there's, there's some kind of rumblings about the possibility of Jaden coming back. Um, he 
would, is not, you know, currently sort of to, talked about as one of the top draft prospects at the quarterback position. You don't really see him on like Mel Kiper or Todd McShay's kind of like draft boards at this point. Um, but in, you know, the way he's played and especially that three week stretch between Florida and Alabama, you pull that out over an entire season and all of a sudden he's probably one of the top quarterbacks in the country. You know, he's already being sort of up as a semifinalist uh, for some, you know, quarterback awards. Mm-hmm. He's one of 21 right now for the Davy O'Brien. Um, which will probably go to C.J. Stroud or Hinton Hooker, but you know right. he's kind of moving himself up in the national conversation, and it does give him the you know maybe Brian Kelly and Nelsie can convince him to come on back, and then you have a second year with him in your system oh. that can usually lead to some pretty good things. So we'll see. You know, there's still a ways to go with all of this right. in terms of draft decisions um, and who's coming back, but it is an interesting list in terms of who's not on there. Because usually if you're participating in senior day, you've decided you're headed on. Like Makai Garner is somebody who I think has another year of eligibility at corner, but he's participating in senior day after one season at LSU. Um, And there's a few others who, you know, eligibility are up. Um, Like Micah Baskerville and Jark Bernard Converse and those kinds of guys. Uh, But, yeah, Mm -hmm. Jaden, John Emery, Greg Brooks. uh, Brian Kelly said earlier this week some guys are going to be coming back. Um, He also said it might be some guys who haven't graduated, but – um, we'll see. You know, it's something yeah. to keep an eye on and really certainly fuels the idea that Jaden might decide to come back for a second year at LSU. If Jaden Daniels comes back, I know preseason polls don't mean anything, ask Texas A&M, but LSU will be very, very highly ranked and will be one of those teams that are favored, I believe, to make it to the college football playoff. The question is, is there enough NIL money to um, to keep them here? And I think they'll I think they'll find a way. Wilson Alexander joining us. One of the really good field stories to me, yes, Harold Perkins has been great, but under the radar, this Josh Williams, from a walk-on to hands down, by far the best running back on this team, is phenomenal to me. Where, what happened? How did this kid – when did this turn around for him? Yeah, it, it, so Josh has got a great uh, great backstory. And, um, my colleague Lee actually wrote about it earlier this year. I encourage everyone to go kind of find that because it can dive it dives deeper into to what I can you know say here in just a little you know few minutes. But he's um, you know somebody who was uh, certainly not highly recruited out of high school. Part of that is he played multiple sports. He also had an injury his senior year that kind of affected that. And so he comes to LSU as a you know five seven walk on running back and um, gets his way onto the field on special teams and as a pass blocker. And then now he's just flourishing because he's a good running back. Um, yes. He's got good, um, good vision, uh, powerful. You see his legs just never stop churning at all. I don't know when I last saw him get hit in the backfield, like one-on-one and go down um, yeah, and, right. or actually get hit at the line of scrimmage. I'd be really interested to see his stats in terms of yards after contact because he never goes down at the first, at the first hit. And it's been really key for LSU in some situations this year. There was a run against Alabama. Um, that was really uh, important down the stretch, a third and seven. He got hit like five yards before the marker and just kept going until he picked up the first down. Um, he's been really, really important and just, you know, now a career high, 122 yards on 19 carries and a touchdown. Um, he's so reliable in a lot of different ways, and he's doing more than just those little things that made him effective now. He's making cuts and making guys miss and turning into a really well-rounded frontline running back. It really is an amazing, amazing story. And and it's an amazing story about this entire team and how they have, um, how they bought in and how they just keep getting out. Yeah. The offense took a step back granted, uh, but this defense keeps getting better 
and better. And I think the offense, that was just a hiccup. I don't think that's going to be a long-term effect here. Um, do style points matter for LSU this week? I mean, you know, you saw what Tennessee did against Missouri and they score late to get 66. Do you think that even matters? But, you know, LSU, don't they need to kind of show up and show out? Honestly, I don't. I think they just need to keep winning. Um, Because LSU, the style points thing probably would have gone out the door a while ago. If they are going to be the first two-loss team to make the playoff, it's just a matter of of getting through the schedule and winning games. Because they play in the SEC, and you would have the uh, title of SEC champion with a win over Georgia, the which I think everybody agrees is the number one team in the country. And the cultural playoff chairman said last night is sort of pulled away from everybody else. You then go and beat them. Um, sure, it's at a neutral site. Um, and there would still be that loss to Tennessee in Tiger Stadium that would end up being a really big talking point. If LSU just wins out and is the SEC champion with a win over Georgia and a win over yeah. Alabama, then it would be really shocking if the committee didn't include them. Style points for this team – because it's been kind of sloppy and messy a lot this year, it's it's not. I don't think that important. It's just a matter of winning the games. Yeah, everybody's hoping for like, um, if you're an SEC fan, for Ohio State or Michigan to blow the doors off one the other team, for TCU to lose, and for UCLA to beat USC, and now for LSU to beat Georgia, and now you're talking about three teams from the SEC in that son of a gun. Oh my gosh! Everybody in around the country would lose their collective mind. Yes, and then we'd have <laughs> a twelve-game playoff SEC the next team. the next week. Yeah, no, it would be it, it, it would be hard pressed to probably see that happen. Certain things would do it, and they have to break a certain way. I can't imagine them taking three of them, um, especially <laughs> depending on what else is going around along around the country. Um, but it would certainly accelerate that uh, the desire for every other conference to want a expanded playoff. I will never say never after coming back from the uh, Sugar Bowl and LSU's flying home and West Virginia uh, beats or something happened. I can't remember what the scenario was, but um, LSU's a two-loss team going into the championship game. This is before the uh, the playoff. This was the old BCS and first two-loss mm-hmm. team to ever get in. So I never say never anymore because uh, stranger things can happen. We shall see. Um, any concerns about UA- UAB? No, I don't think so too much. I mean, it is kind of interesting that LSU's about a two-touchdown favorite, I think, right, right now. And you thought maybe that line would be a little bit bigger um, playing at home and all that. But you know, UAB is uh, probably better than a 5-5 five and five record that it has right now. It's played some close games that it's lost. Um, it's got a problem in terms of production, the best running back in the country. And yeah. um, he runs for 156 yards, first name Dwayne, and suddenly the last name is escaping me. Um, but 156 yards per game. As long as LSU stops the run, um, then it shouldn't have too much of an issue, uh, you know, stretching out a pretty decent lead against UAB. I think what will be really interesting is how big it gets up. You know, do you get to get to the point where you can put in Garrett Nussmeyer or Walker Howard or something like that? Uh, but my level of concern it would not be very, uh, very high right now. Wilson, I'm going to say it to you. I've said it for years and years, and maybe I've told you this already, but I've said it years and years and years. Um, I think LSU misses out when when they do their scheduling. I think you should have the bye week after the Alabama game rather than before it because there's always the hangover effect, and it puts you in harm's way, whoever you play afterwards, particularly if it's a road game. 
Um, I just think it's it's asking an awful lot of young kids. I've always said that, and I've always said the Super Bowl should be on a Saturday and not a Sunday, and nobody will listen to me, Wilson. Nobody. <laughs> well, I, I understand your argument, uh, certainly for both. Uh, I remember as a kid growing up with the Super Bowl, always wishing that I was, could stay up for the entire thing, and I wasn't allowed to because yes. it was on a school night. Um, but the, the LSU, I think certainly just when you look at this season, LSU had played a pretty grueling schedule um, in a lot of ways and really kind of needed that bye week going into Alabama to just to rest up, get some guys healthy again, take a little bit off their legs and recover. Um, and it usually comes at that point in the schedule when they kind of need a breather and gives the coaching mm-hmm. staff a week to prepare for Alabama. So it's yeah. kind of a, you know, you can make an argument either way. I, I understand yeah. yours, but also really, I get well, thank why else you. Thank you for at least understanding. Um, I came away from the Arkansas win, albeit, close 13 to 10 albeit offense you know wasn't as wasn't what it had been but i came away feeling better about this lsu football team than i felt uh, than i would feel worse simply because they didn't play their best coming off an emotional win they're on the road conditions they hadn't played in all year long some of them got the flu and they came away and found a way to win and that's what i think good teams do how about you? Yeah, that's a good point. And it was just sort of another example of how scrappy this group is because it, yeah, it didn't, not everything went their way. Two turnovers and uncharacteristic turnovers from Jaden Daniels, who's really yeah. protected the ball well all year long and an offense that just could not put the game away late and yet continued to find ways to win. And that's what we've seen from this team for most of the season. Um, almost found a way to win the opener despite things being really disjointed against Florida State found a way to come back and beat Mississippi State, came back to beat Auburn, came back to beat uh, Ole Miss, uh, came back, uh, even if it wasn't as big of a comeback, but to beat Florida. Uh, It was down in that game early at a couple of different points by a touchdown. And this team is just scrappy. Uh, They fight. Uh, Brian Kelly said that was evident to him for all year. And it it proved that, again, that this team, they really don't uh, just fold at any point. And that's why I think you can have a lot of confidence going into these next three games and whatever comes after that is that LSU, you know, Georgia is probably uh, uh, really far ahead of LSU at this point. Obviously they're the defending national champions uh, with a program that has been built up uh, with five stars and four stars for years. But LSU is not going to just, I think, back away from that. This is a team that is continues to fight. And and that's something that you can be proud of as an LSU fan. I I ran into one of the team doctors, uh, one of the biggest LSU fans in the history of the world. And I said, man, what, what he goes, Jordy, we're pinching ourselves. No one expected this. And that's been quite the, the theme all year long with a lot to play for. So, so we shall see UAB senior night, eight o'clock, man, that, that paper is going to come to us late on Sunday, Wilson, very late. And I like to get my paper early, but it's going to be late because what is your deadline with an eight o'clock game? How does that work? Well, uh, we'll I'll have to turn in the, the, our first edition of the game story as soon as the game ends, which is which is the case with any game. But it'll um, I don't know quite what our deadline is yet. They haven't told us, but uh, yeah, it's just a, it condenses the amount of time we have to write uh, post game um, when, especially with a with a late late, late kick like that. Um, yeah. So there won't be a ton of editing on that final edition of the uh, game story. You, you love those eleven. You love those eleven o'clock kickoffs. I love it when it's on the road like that. You get back home at a reasonable hour. But anyway, great work. Um, I called Yaya Lofton, who is um, the longtime um, assistant to the head football coach. 
the game balls in the mail. You deserve it. Well, <laughs> well, great story on Harold Perkins and boy, did he, did he live up to the hype? Well done, my friend. Thanks, Jordy. I appreciate that. Okay, buddy. Thanks for coming on. We appreciate it. Wilson Alexander of the advocate, your Alexa or Google home speaker helps you out around the house. It allows you to control your lights, your thermostats, and so much more. But did you know they could also play the game? Just ask your Alexa or Google Home to play the game Southwest Louisiana. It's that easy. So do the smart thing and have the game 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles with you at your office, at your home, and everywhere you go. We'll wrap up our number one after this time out here on the Jordy Helper Show. A recent survey said that game listeners prefer our station than filing their taxes. Take that, taxes. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Hey, tune in tonight from 6 to 7 for the McNeese Coaches Show presented by Maplewood Burgers. Line a bit out of Westlake and the Southwest Louisiana Law Center. Jim Gazzolo will be talking all things Cowboys as the McNeese Coaches Show will be broadcasting from Maplewood Burgers, 4453 Nelson Road. Tune in tonight at 6 for the McNeese Coaches Show right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Pelicans get a big-time win over the Memphis Grizzlies and John Morant last night without Zion Williamson. C.J. McCollum, welcome to the party. We'll talk to Will Guillory about that, plus take a look ahead to tonight's matchup against DeMar DeRozan 20 seconds. and the Chicago Bulls, plus Mike Huguenin, all things college football and a little hoops. Uh, coming your way, hour number two, the Jordy Helper Show here on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Come on back, everybody. Live and local, this is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. It's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves. Here's your host, the Blonde Bomber, Jordy Holtberg. Hour number two of two, and away we go on this Wednesday, November 16th, the year 2022. Just saw that Dennis Allen said that the Rolling Saints will stick with Andy Dalton at quarterback. Said they evaluated it this week and discussed it with both quarterbacks. Andy Dalton will start Sunday against the L.A. Rams in Caesars Superdome right across the street. The New Orleans Pelicans got a win last night over the Memphis Grizzlies. That's one of their divisional opponents, a team that's really, really good with an outstanding player in John Morant. Welcome to the party, C.J. McCollum. I think he's been in a, a, a terrible shooting slump in my book, but he busted out, scored a season high 30 points. Pelicans win 113-102. They're now 8-6. and six. Will Guillory is the... Uh, Pelicans beat writer for The Athletic, and he's kind enough to join us as we begin hour number two. Hey, Will, long time, buddy. How are you? I'm doing well, man. appreciate you for having me on. Oh, it's my pleasure. Um, no Zion, and they still beat the Grizzlies. That that says an awful lot. 113-102. Memphis is a good club. John Moran is outstanding. He had 36. Sum up the game for me. Describe it to me. Yeah, like you said, John Morant just made like seven or eight incredible plays, stuff you like you never see on a regular night on the air. Watching the NBA, he's such an amazing talent. But 
first off, you brought it up. I mean, CJ McCollum breaking out of his shooting slump, hitting seven threes last night, scoring 30 points. Uh, it gave such a huge boost to that offense, something they've been needing for a while, especially on a night without Zion. So uh, it was really big to get him back. But in the fourth quarter, the story was the Pelicans really locking in on defense, starting to slow down John Moran, held him to five points in the fourth, two or nine from wow. the field. Uh once again, Jose Alvarado bringing the energy off of that bench along with Herb Jones, Dyson Daniels gave them some good contributions last night. So it was big for them to see C.J. McCollum break out last night, but even bigger for them to win with their defense, which has the biggest has been the biggest question for this club yeah. since the start of training camp. Two, um, yeah, um, Pell's got it done in the fourth quarter. There's no question about that. Um, what, what's the story on Zion now? Yeah, he's going to be out tonight against Chicago. Hurt his foot uh, against Houston in that fourth quarter. Still was able to complete the game. I don't think it's that big of a deal. I know people get nervous with that foot, you know, coming off of the surgery last sure. summer. But, uh, yeah, I think he'll be fine moving forward. But I think yeah, they just want to be careful with it, and we'll see how it looks, you know, throughout the rest of this uh, homestand. With Zion out, uh, Murphy um, goes into the starting lineup, played 25 minutes, three of six from downtown, gets you 13 points. Um how how have you seen his progression from from a rookie to his sophomore season in the league? Yeah, this is overall confidence on offense has, has gone up uh, major. I think he's shooting the ball with so much confidence. He's easily the best spot shooter on this team, a guy who yeah. can hit it from 30 feet. You know, they practice with him shooting those deep three-pointers. He's doing better, you know, catching off the move and hitting threes. And also, we're seeing him start to make a few more plays off the bounce now. We saw him have a big dunk. Last night, so I just think overall you see his confidence on offense growing. He's playing with great energy on defense. Obviously, he still has to, you know, just get more comfortable out there with his rotations and just reading the game. Uh, but I think his confidence overall has, has jumped in a major way, and I think it's important uh, for that Pels bench. No question. Will Guillory, the athletic covering the Pels, the Pels with a, one of those rare back-to-back home matchups. Um Usually it's a road to a home or a home to a road, but very rarely do you get the home-to-home kind of a deal. But, hey, good for them. Um, I'm curious, Jonas Valanciunas, I I called him Mr. Double-Double a year ago. I I know he got in foul trouble last night, so he only played 14 minutes. Has he adapted and adjusted to to this lineup now with with Zion and Brandon Ingram in there and McCollum? I mean, he he only gets so many touches with those three, but – Normally he's a he's a rebounder, offensive rebounding guy. But what do you think of uh, Jonas so far? Yeah, I think he's been really good this year. Like you said, he's a reliable option in the post. Can take advantage of certain matches. I just think last night going against John Moran and pick a roll. The last Ooh. thing you want is just a big lumbering seven footer trying to stand yeah. in front of John Morant. So that was just a night where it was just a bad matchup for him. Uh, we saw. Last time the Pels played against Chicago, JV played really well going at Vucevic, so that's something I want to keep yeah. an eye on tonight. But, yeah, I think he's been really good. I think he's been another option there offensively to take some of the pressure off the big three, uh, and he's been really good. But, uh, I mean, even bigger than JV, I think it's been huge to have Larry Nance as kind of that change-up off the bench, yep. more of a versatile defender, can switch everything. He can step out and hit some threes like JV. He's been killing it on the offensive boards. Had 19 last night, had 22 against Houston. So that combo of JV and Larry Nance has been incredible this year. Both of those guys have played really well, and I think it's a big advantage for Willie Green where he can kind of go back and forth on certain nights. He can lean on JV. Other nights, yeah. he can lean on Larry Nance, and that's been a huge part of this team's success. 
Nance has been one of those unsung heroes. There's no question about that. Doesn't shoot it often, but he went eight for 10 from the floor. He's always close in range. He did make one three. Um, got, got you seven rebounds, a couple assists, no turnovers, two block. I mean, he's a plus 16 in the old plus minus column uh, to lead the team last night. So he, he has been a big, big plus. I'm curious as to your thoughts of Dyson Daniels, the rookie. Had 17 minutes last night, nine rebounds. He's he's not a great shooter. One for five from the field, one for three from downtown. But he does a lot of other things. Uh, what what do you like about his game? Yeah, I mean, you said it. Uh, I think this young kid is so advanced, you know, for somebody who's 19, uh, didn't play college basketball, went straight to the G League out of Australia. I, I think, you know, like you said, he's still developing his offensive game. He's pretty good as a driver. He's okay as a shooter that working with Fred Vincent to kind of improve that part of his game. But everything else on the court, it was rebounding, pushing the ball in transition, Defending just about anybody. We saw last night he was defending John Moran on certain possessions. He was defending Brandon Clark on other possessions. The, uh, wow. the, the power forward for the Grizzlies off the bench. So he has such great size, such great movement on the perimeter. I think he's going to be an outstanding defender. And I think it's on Willie Green just to find more minutes for this young guy. And I know it's tough to tell. have an extremely deep team. Uh, but you saw last night just what he can do, hitting the boards, bringing mm-hmm. that uh versatility on defense having him out there next to jose or herb jones i mean they could just defend anybody and they swarm you and they cause turnovers and i think that makes it easier on guys like cj and bi where they don't have to play as much as have course. so yeah i really like everything that tyson brings to the to the game he's got to get in more often they got to find more minutes for him and it's going to be right. tough with jose and Devante, uh but they got to get him in the game you can only play so many. Jackson Hayes isn't sniffing the court of late. What uh, do you sense something there? You know, I mean, like you said, man, it's just really tough with the way Larry Nance is playing right now. They're giving him a ton of minutes off the bench, and rightfully so. I think he's been one of the best backup bigs in the league. And then, whereas with Zion Williamson is usually up over thirty minutes a game, there just isn't that many much that that many right. minutes available uh, left for Jackson Hayes. It's unfortunate because we saw the growth. He had last year, and I think you'll see him come around. We we kind of gone through this dance through the first three years of Jackson Hayes, right? Where it starts off slow, he gets a bunch of DMPs, and then all of a sudden he comes to life at the end of the year. And I wouldn't be surprised if that happens again. But again, you know, this is a very deep team, and some of these bench guys are playing even better than we expected coming into the year. Whether it be Jose Alvarado, Larry Nance. Najee Marshall, so it's a really tough job for Willie Green right now to get all of these guys minutes. And you're right, Jackson Hayes is one that's really suffering. I would even throw Billy Hernan Gomez in the mix. I mean, the guy won the EuroBasket MVP. (laughs) He played the tournament with Giannis, with Luka Doncic, with with Nikola Jokic, and he won the MVP, and he can't even get off the bench here in New Orleans. (laughs) That's something, man. That is something. Is is there an ingredient? Look, we what a difference a year makes. Fourteen games in, you're eight and six. You're two games out of first place. Nobody's running away and hiding in the Western Conference yet. I think Portland's been a huge surprise. Utah, I think, has been a huge surprise. But other than that, it's the same old, same old culprits. Other than Golden State, who's six and eight, you know they're going to get better. So there's a long, 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 long way to go. But is there a piece missing from this club? You think to make turn it from a a really from a good team to a really good team, or do you like the lineup and the constituency of this group as is? Yeah, I really like what they're doing right now with this group. Obviously, you need to see some of these young guys take a step forward 
whether it be a Trey Murphy or I think Herb Jones is to get back. So what we saw last year, I, I would throw uh, Dyson Daniels in that mix as well. If he can finally get into the rotation, I, I just think uh, again, like I said earlier, you just need to see this group play consistently on defense more often with the effort, with the energy, with the focus. Uh, I think we've seen it as stretches they can be really good. We've seen Jose do some incredible things this year on defense, but we know about the offensive talent with this group with Zion, BJ, BI, CJ. We could just go down the line. Uh, but to win in this league, you got to play defense, and that's what they got to do consistently. I think they have the pieces. I don't think you need to start trading away any future pricks to, to, to go get you know, more defenders, another 3 and D guy. I know that's something people are eyeing. I don't know if you really need to do that. Uh, you just need these guys to step up and play defense more often and just with more intensity. And I think you can see this team go a long way because, like you said, nobody's really stepping up in the yep. West quite yet, the way we expect it. So it's right there for the taking. The Pels just need to, you know, add that consistency piece on defense, and I think they could be a really dangerous team come April. Come on, Lakers, just keep on playing. They're three and ten, baby. <laughs> three and ten, and we get their pick. Three and ten, just one game ahead of the of the Houston, game and a half ahead of the Houston Rockets. Come on, Lakers, keep keep and- tanking, baby. Brick for Vic, right? Vic, the one thing out of man. How, how insane would it be if you can get that guy at the Pelicans uniform? Holy cow. Uh, with what this team already has. I know the, the Lakers front office is having nightmares about it, and I know a bunch of people in the Pelicans front office are watching those highlights on a daily basis, just imagining what it could be like with a 7-4 guy who could shoot threes next to that bowling ball in Zion Williamson. It, yeah. it would be incredible. That would be something. Uh, Will Guillory, real quick as we – well, not real quick. We can take all the time we want. Uh, tonight, Chicago, I think of DeMar DeRozan, the master of the mid, uh, mid-range mid game. Uh, Zach Levine, a high-flying act. Um, no Lonzo Ball. Um, but um, what, what, what concerns you about the Bulls? Yeah, you mentioned it. This, this team has some really dangerous guards. You could throw Goran Dragic in the mix. He's been playing really yeah. well for this team. And we saw last time these two teams played against each other, it was the B.I. versus DeMar DeRozan show, right, late in the game. B.I. ended up getting the better of that matchup. I think he ended up scoring 14 points in the fourth quarter to hit some crazy shots at the end of that game. Uh, so I would expect to see, again, B.I. wanting to really show how he matches up against, you know, one of the, the, the greatest of his generation, DeMar DeRozan, the mid-range king. So it's going to be really fun to watch those two guys go at it in the real old-school battle, uh, everything yeah. below the three-point line. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I, I just think it's going to be a really tough matchup just because, again, this Pels team, you know, there's, there's – a lot of questions about how they're going to play these guards, how they're going to match right. up against certain teams. And with the Bulls, with Levine and DeMar DeRozan, those are two of the most potent guards in this league. So it's going to be a big challenge for this yeah. Pels group to get those stops on the perimeter the way they did last night. Uh, the Bulls are 6-8. and eight. They've lost two in a row. Um, if you said it, I apologize. Uh, Zion tonight, 50-50, more so, less so? What do you think? Yeah, the team has announced he is out tonight, so uh, he's going to sit out for a second straight game with that foot sprain. Uh, foot contusion, I should say. Like I said, I don't think it's that serious. We saw him jumping around on the bench a little bit last night, especially after that big Larry Nance duck. So I think that tells you he's doing okay. I think, you know, without practice time, obviously, with a back-to-back, I think they want to just be careful with him, see how he feels tomorrow morning, maybe get some time in the gym just to move around a little bit, and then hopefully he'll be back for that Boston game because that'll be a, a very fun matchup once Boston comes down here on Friday. 
You have Boston leading the East at 11 and three, a half a game over Giannis and the Bucks. Uh, the East has some some really good teams in it. The West does too, but um, man, a lot better than that's it was a year ago. NBA, you know what man, I mean? I mean, the, the start the Pels had a year ago, they, they were done before it started. It seemed like. Yeah, uh, no doubt. I, I think it's going to be just a, a very interesting year for this team. Just because I, I look, I, I just keep harping on this. I think. You know, with this depth they have on this roster, uh, they can compete with just about anybody in this league. I, I think, you know, we, we see some of these young guys growing up. We see Willie Green starting to get these pieces to fit together. The Pelicans just can just get an extended period where they have healthy bodies on the court. And these guys can develop some chemistry. Uh, they can be dangerous. But, you know, they're, they're having some troubles with that right now. Luckily, you know, Jose and Larry Nance have been stepping up in a big way off the bench. He is Will Guillory. Read his stuff on The Athletic. He does a terrific job. Um, hoop season's here, man. Fun, fun stuff. I think the Pels are really, they're a pretty darn good basketball team. Will, thank you. The grind is just beginning. Yes, indeed, man. I appreciate you for having me on. You got it, buddy. Thank you so much. Um, let's see. Yeah, believe it or not, you can listen to Christmas music like all day. Now. You can listen to all your favorite Christmas classics your favorite local Cajun Christmas songs on the Louisiana Christmas Channel. That's nonstop Christmas music 24-7 on the Louisiana Christmas Channel. You can listen live at lachristmaschannel.com or don't download the free mobile app on both Apple and Android devices and listen on your Amazon Alexa. So listen to some holiday cheer with the Louisiana Christmas Channel. Hump Day with Huguenin is next. We'll be right back. Uh-oh. Do you know what day it is? Huh? Anybody? It's time for Jordy to break down the biggest storylines in college athletics with Mike Huguenin of On3.com. Mike, 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 Mike. What day is it, Mike? Here is Hump Day with Huguenin. On the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Ah, TCU is still unbeaten. A&M, oh my goodness. And UConn is bowl eligible. Just some of the stories and that we will recap here with my main man, Mike Huguenin from On3.com. Good afternoon, sir. How are you? Doing well, um, despite being depressed by the fact that the regular season has just two more weeks. Don't be depressed. Know. We had a good basketball game last night. Michigan State, Kentucky, double overtime. That was a good game. Yeah, but I'll be honest. I've tuned in. Uh, I was looking for the playoff rankings. Instead, it went double overtime. So uh, <laughs> it was, you know, that was a big-time um, doubleheader. And I'm not sure how many people cared because it's still football season. That's right. That's right. No question about it. Um, man, it's hard to win. Uh, pressure builds. Uh, LSU goes to uh, goes to Arkansas. It's cold. Um, no excuses, um, but they figure out a way to win. And you've seen a lot of performances and a lot of great players. That Harold Perkins was pretty good, isn't he? Yeah, it was. A, you know, four sack, two forced fumble performance. Um, came up with big plays at, at big times, and that's what you like to see. Uh, and the fact that he's a true freshman, I think if I'm an LSU fan, I'm excited to see how much better this kid can get as he learns – as it becomes more instinctual, um, mm-hmm. adds good weight, becomes stronger, um, and presumably, you know, it's, it's one thing to study film as a freshman 
I think the longer you study film, the more attuned to what others are doing you become. So the idea uh, that this guy had four sacks in one game as a true freshman, how good is he going to be next year and the year after? You know what they say in in basketball, you can't you can't coach height. Either you have it or you don't. In football, you can't coach speed. Either you have it or you don't. And this dude's chasing down track stars. Yeah, he is. He's extremely quick. He's fast. And again, you know, as he becomes more used to the nuances at the position, you wonder how good he's going to be. And of course, the flip side is opposing offenses now are going to be on the lookout, which presumably opens up uh, holes for other players to take advantage. But, yeah, Perkins' game, he was our SEC Player of the Week. Uh, just a phenomenal performance. And, again, some some key sacks at extremely huh. important times, and you can't ask for anything more from a player. Nobody wants to talk about this, but I can because I'm, you know, I'm not a player, I'm not a coach. But that game proved to me one thing, that Jaden Daniels isn't ready for the NFL. He needs to come back to college, and if he does – LSU's got a chance. He keeps developing. They got a chance to be really good next year. I'm talking really, really good. Right, and the the NIL availability now that's that's a selling point, I think, yeah. especially to quarterbacks and maybe even running backs. Um, running backs are a little bit different because of the you know the whole quote unquote tread on the tire argument. Right. Um, but yeah, if you're a quarterback in, in the past. It was like, okay, let me go to the NFL, and if, if, even if I don't get my second contract, I'm going to have some money for my first one. But now with NIL, potentially you can make even more, uh, stay in an extra year in college for some, for some players. And you're right, Jaden Daniels, I don't, he's, he's not – I'm not even sure he's a second-day pick because he is a developmental prospect. I think he can become a little bulkier, a little stronger. You know, his run instincts are still pretty good. But, you know, he's, he's not playing behind a great offensive line, uh, and he's not playing with an elite running back either. So there are reasons for him to come back, and team success next year uh, would be one of them, no question. Mike Hugan and On3.com. TCU, um, they made a business out of winning ugly. Uh, they played really good defense, and they did enough to let Texas pull a Texas and win 17-10. to 10. Do they still belong at number four? Do you yeah, think? I got, yeah, I got no problem with them being number four. I think the Big 12, top to bottom, is a good league. If West Virginia or Iowa State, heck, Oklahoma could finish last in, the, in that league. So that, that's a good league, top to bottom. I'm not sure TCU could hang with Georgia, but I'm not sure many teams can hang with Georgia. Um, mm-hmm. Put them on the neutral field against Michigan and Ohio State, I think they would cause some problems and maybe even beat both those teams. And one thing for sure, Big 12 top to bottom is a lot better than the Big 10 top to bottom. Okay. Um, Oregon, boy, they had their chances. My gosh, again and again and again. They fumble on the Washington one-yard line. They miss a field goal at the end of the first half. Um, A fourth down uh, that they botched. Um, All kinds of things, and they lose 37-34. Bye-bye, Oregon. Bye-bye. Yeah, that, that they're gone. They can obviously still play in the in the Pac-12 title game, but any playoff hopes are gone. That was a really good game with two really high-level college quarterbacks. Yeah. Um, Michael Penix. I mean, the, the dude is is good. Uh, Bo Nix. I think if you're an Auburn fan, you're like, I never thought he could be this good. And you know, he he played well. Um, the injury at the end of the game to him, I think caused issues for Oregon, specifically on that fourth down play you mentioned. There was a handoff. I think the play call is different if Nix is in there. Um, it, 
because I don't think anybody was afraid of you know Ty Thompson running the ball. Whereas if Nix is in there, the Washington defense plays it differently. Uh, plus, maybe that whole series goes differently with Bo Nix. But um, the the, uh, the the lone Pac-12 team still alive is USC. They need a lot of things to happen in front of them to get into the playoff, and they obviously have to beat UCLA on Saturday in what's the best game of the weekend to me. But yeah. um, the Pac-12, it has really good quarterbacks. Um, you know, you watch Arizona play. Jaden Delore can throw it around. Washington State, Cameron Ward can throw it around. And as bad as Stanford is, Tanner McKee's a good quarterback. Uh, not to mention Caleb Williams, Knicks, Michael Penix. Dorian Thompson-Robinson. I mean, that league, uh, any game you watch basically is going to have at least one good quarterback in it unless you're stuck with Cal, Arizona State, or Cal, Colorado, because those teams don't have good quarterbacks. But it it is a fun league to watch, and that was a highly entertaining game last week, Oregon. Mike Hugan and On3.com, they were regarded as one of the worst college football teams in America, and now they're bowl eligible. UConn beat Liberty. 36-33, 36-33, the Huskies' sixth win of the season. Has Jim Moore Jr. done enough to get back in big league football now? Yeah, I think his name is sort of cropping up. And, you know, is, is Liberty an excellent team? No, but they were top 25. And yeah. UConn beat Liberty a week after Liberty beat Arkansas. So yeah. I guess if you use the transitive property, hey, uh, UConn could, could could beat some teams in the SEC. Um, but, no, Moore's done a phenomenal job. Um, so is Mike Elko at Duke. They're 7-3. They're um, wow. So there, there's a lot of first-year coaches out there. Obviously, Brian Kelly is getting a lot of love, and it's well-deserved. Lincoln Riley, the same. But what the job Moore has done and the job Mike Elko has done, considering how bad those programs have been of late, uh, those two coaches deserve a ton of credit. Uh, maybe overshadowed because on the same day that UConn became bowl eligible, Vanderbilt beat Kentucky for their first SEC win since 2019, their first SEC road win since October of 2018. What has happened to Will Levis and the and, and Kentucky? I don't hear Bob Stoops complaining about, hey, we're more than a ba- more than a basketball school here. We're a football school too. Really? Really? Yeah, Mark Stoops' team this year has that uh, they've underachieved. Um, this was a team that a lot of people were picking to finish second in the SEC East. Um, they could finish. I think they are going to finish three and five in the league because they're not beating Georgia on Saturday. Um, I think Chris Rodriguez's injury hurt them early, but Levis, um, the receiving core is underwhelming. Though they got you know Barry and Brown's a, high, a talented freshman is going to be good. But offensively, that is not a very good passing team. And Levis, I got—I wrote something today. That you got Kentucky playing Georgia, and you got South Carolina playing Tennessee. And right. I think Kentucky and South Carolina are going to get boat raced. Right. And before the season, you had you know, Kentucky got a ton of love, and South Carolina was getting some because, oh my goodness, Spencer Rattler's there. He's going to rebuild his career. Uh, that hasn't happened either. Uh, Levis has played 14 games against SEC opponents in two years. He's thrown for more than 200 yards four times. He's thrown for more than 300 once. Um, yes, he has NFL quarterback traits, but if you you know if, if production matters to NFL teams, I think you look at Will Levis 
and say his production certainly does not match his NFL traits. And uh, I'll be honest, I have never been a huge Will Levis fan, and this year has cemented to me that this guy, if you take him in the first round, you're begging you're begging for a lot of losses if he's your quarterback. Yeah. And this is a guy in Mike Huguenin who felt one way about a certain quarterback and has turned around because Bo Nix is playing great. Yes. So, And Bo Nix was at Auburn, and Auburn beat Texas A&M 13-10, ensuring that the team that opened up the country, ranked sixth in the country, would not even go to a bowl game. Is this rock bottom for yeah, A&M? This, this is, I, mean, well, I think rock bottom would be losing to UMass this week for A&M. And I think oh. if that happens, all bets are off in terms of getting rid of Jimbo Fisher. Yeah. It's, there's a ton of intrigue surrounding what Fisher going to do. I, I, again, I don't think they can afford to fire him. Even your Texas A&M, $86 million bucks is a boatload of cash. Though um, so I, I would imagine there's going to be some offensive staff changes made, and you wonder if Fisher is going to have to bring in you know, somebody else to call plays or another quarterback coach or whatever. And I think back to what Aaron Murray said earlier this season, basically that you put film of Texas A&M on of 2022, you put film of FSU on 2012, and it's yeah. – a lot of the same offense and right. you, you know blocking and running the ball and throwing the ball that's all the same but college football has undergone a sea change in the last 10 years and um jimbo fisher is not on a big time yacht here he's on a <laughs> rowboat and he, he, yeah. things have to change one last one before we uh, take a break um another quarterback who um went Elsewhere, just like Bo Nix left Auburn to go to Oregon, had great success. John Rice Plumley left uh, Auburn, left uh, Ole Miss, went to UCF, and now since they beat Tulane thirty-eight to thirty-one, they're they're on the verge of being the team um, in the group of five that has a chance to go to the New Year's Six. So good for John Rice Plumley and Gus Malzahn. Right, and M- Malzahn has done a great job in the portal in his two years there. They're, they're one of their main running backs is Isaiah Bowser, who's a transfer from Northwestern. Another, their leading rusher is R.J. Harvey, a transfer from Virginia, where he played quarterback. So um, their best receiver is Javon Baker, a transfer from Alabama. So Malzahn's got it going. Um, his leading tackler on defense, Jason Johnson, a transfer from Eastern Illinois, and their defensive coordinator is Travis Williams, who used to work at Auburn. It's a school with a lot of SEC connections. and It's a well-coached unit. And John Rice Plumley last week, um, it's almost as if Tulane was not prepared for him to tuck and run. And, I know. Which is sort of mystifying, because I think Chris Hampton's done a great job as Tulane's D.C. this year. But last week, Tulane looked lost when Plumley ran the ball, and that surprised me. Yeah. All right. Uh, Mike Huguenin of On3.com will take a timeout. That's the week that was. We'll take a week look at the week coming up. We got some rivalry games that maybe have lost some luster, but we'll talk about that more when we return here to the Jordy Holberg Show. The Jordy Holberg Show prides itself on settling for nothing less than the best. This thing has a variety of nauseating aspects to it. 
Morty has the best takes, the best guests, and let's be honest, the best nickname. The Blonde Bomber is cool as hell. I agree. All right. Let's play ball. Back to only the best on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Week 12 in college football is here. There aren't that many marquee matchups, but there's some decent games on the slate. Georgia has its biggest road test of the season, I guess, against Kentucky. You've got the Battle of Los Angeles, USC, UCLA. Michigan takes on Illinois. You never know what you're going to get there with Brett Bielema's club and all. But um, you said it, Mike. The best game of the week is USC, UCLA. UCLA stubbed their own foot, losing to, who was it, Arizona? Um Let's talk about USC and UCLA. Yeah, UCLA lost last week as a 19-and-a-half-point favorite. I think part of that was looking ahead. Um, they also were – their defensive coordinator missed the game, um, which I think played a small role. But UCLA did not look ready to play early. Um, this game, yeah, I think those of us who are of a certain age remember when USC and UCLA was always one of the best games of the year. Um, big, you know, big time Southern California high school talent on the field, and that's the case this yeah. year. A lot of these guys not only played against each other in high school, but were high school teammates. I think there's like 16 guys that went to high school with somebody. You know, there's a, that much interaction between the between the rosters. But USC again is the only school in the Pac-12 that has a chance for to make the playoff. They have UCLA next week. Um, I'm sorry, UCLA this week, Notre Dame next week, and then than perhaps the SB Pac-12 title game. Um, but UCLA is a good team. Um, two good quarterbacks on view. UCLA has got the best running back. Um, SC has got the better receivers. I don't think either one defensively is all that good. So uh, I think it will be a high-scoring, highly entertaining game. Um, I, I think the UCLA is going to win. Ooh, okay. That would be that would be nice. Um, we'll stay in the Pac-12. Number ten Utah at number twelve Oregon. How does Oregon bounce back? Utah, uh, pretty good defensively, twenty-second in total defense. Um, it's all about the mindset. Oregon's back at home again. Uh, Oregon's a three-point favorite. Who do you like? Yeah, Utah has Colorado next week. So if Utah wins this, I believe they all they basically lock up a spot in the in the Pac-12 title game. Um, you're, I mean, being at home didn't help Oregon last week. Um, I guess the one difference is Utah does not throw the ball near as well as Washington does, but they're far more physical than Washington, and they run the ball a heck of a lot better than Washington, which, frankly, I don't even think they care if they run the ball. They're sort of like Michael Leach in that regard. Though last week they did have some big runs early on. Um, Oregon, I think, you know, Utah beat Oregon twice last year. Obviously different, different coach for Oregon, different quarterback for Oregon, different star players for Oregon. Um, I think that for, or, for Oregon needs this game, I think, to sort of put a stamp on the season. Because if you lose this game, that will mean you lost two in a row at the end of the season at home. And that, I think, takes some of the luster off what Dan Lanning has done in his first season. Yeah. I think Oregon gets some revenge for last year okay. and erases the bad taste from last week. I think they're going to beat Utah. 
TCU ranked fourth in the uh, playoff polls. They go on the road for the second week in a row. They beat Texas 17 to 10. They face a struggling Baylor team um, this weekend. Dave Aranda and the Bears, can they can they do something defensively? Is this Baylor's big opportunity? What do you think of TCU going on the road again? Yeah, this is. I think this is going to be difficult for TCU. Um, Baylor has had a disappointing season. Uh, this is a big rivalry game, and they can sort of erase some of the bad taste uh, if they upset the Horned Frogs or beat the Horned Frogs. I'm not even sure who's favored, frankly. The weird thing about this is TC, TCU's 10-0, but in a blink of an eye, they've gone from being, we're the hunter, no one's paying attention to us, to, oh, they beat Texas, they're 10-0, they're ranked fourth, now they're the hunted. Even last week, when they were number four in the playoff poll, they went to Texas as a road underdog, six-and-a-half-point dogs, and won. But this week, again, it's like, like in the blink of an eye. Um, they're the hunted now. Um, they won last week in a bizarre manner. They usually basically outscore foes, whereas last week, as you pointed out earlier, they played phenomenal defense. Texas ran for 29 yards with B. John Robinson and Roshan Johnson, two guys who are going to be NFL running backs for a while. So uh, Baylor's offense really doesn't scare anybody. Baylor's defense has been sketchy. Um, I think TCU wins, but th- this game is dangerous again because mm-hmm. the mindset of TCU, they're going to be like high on the hog and all that kind of stuff. Also, Sonny Dykes in November, traditionally his teams have truly struggled. Now, let's see if that kid, that was when he was at SMU and before that even. Let's see what happens. Um, but I think TCU does win. Um, Mike Hugan and On3.com. Illinois at number three, Michigan. This game looked a lot more intriguing a couple of weeks ago before Illinois dropped two straight games, one to Michigan State, the other to Purdue. Uh, they, their defense was supposed to be their calling call, but they've allowed 54 points in their last two games. Michigan's putting up 41. Um any any chance here of an upset? Yeah, and Chase Brown is hurt. Um, he, he might play. I guess it, BLM said yesterday it's trending up that he plays. Um, but even if, even if he does play, he's not going to be 100% healthy, and he is a vital part of, of that Illinois offense. And you're right, I think Illinois, you know, this is not the most talented team, uh, and I think that's catching up with them. They've had some injuries. They've got some guys playing hurt. Uh, as most teams do, but this is not a team that has a ton of depth. So um, Michigan's going to win. If, if 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 Illinois wins, it will to me will be one of the biggest upsets of the season. The game's in Ann Arbor. Um, Illinois is a extremely limited team on a lot of levels. I think they'll play hard and they'll cause some issues for Michigan's offense in the first half. But I think Michigan wears them down and wins by double digits in the end. Here's Mike Hugan and On3.com. Uh, this was also looked like it may be a little bit intriguing until Van- Vanderbilt went into the Commonwealth and beat Kentucky. Uh, Georgia goes on the road. They really uh, they played well on the road this season. They, they, they've played well all year long. Um, this looks like another blowout, right? Yeah, unless Georgia comes out like they did against Mizzou and, and messes around for three quarters. Kentucky's better than Missouri. But I don't think they're going to be messing around for three quarters. Um Kentucky has been a disappointment um, on a lot of levels. Defensively, they're not as strong as they were expected to be. Offensively, their passing game doesn't scare anybody. Um, you know, Chris Rodriguez is a Georgia kid who was not recruited by the Bulldogs, so I'm sure he has a chip on his shoulder, but big deal. 
Um, you can't run when there's no room to run, and I don't think Georgia's going to give him much room to run. But, you know, if, maybe if Kentucky scores first or it's a tie game or something at halftime, there's some intrigue. But, yeah, I think, I think Georgia wins comfortably. Uh, I think they're going to harass Will Levis. And yeah, it's hard for me to see a team that lost to Vandy turning around the next week and beating Georgia. That just ain't going to happen. Uh, LSU clinched the SEC West last week thanks to their uh, three-point win over Arkansas and Ole Miss losing to Alabama. They've got UAB in a very, very weak SEC um, slate this weekend. LSU's only favored by 14 and a half. Yeah, this uh, that is, tells I'm me Vegas thinks UAB is pretty a, good. UAB has been a disappointment this year. Uh, Bill Clark uh, retired for health reasons uh, in July. They promoted uh, Brian Vincent to, to be the interim head coach, and the thought was if UAB is good, he's going to get the job. Well, he ain't getting the job. Um, they've been lackluster on defense, but I will say this. Dwayne McBride will be the best running back on the field. That yeah. kid is an absolute stud for UAB. They don't throw the ball all that well, and their defense isn't, again, it's been a disappointment, but Dwayne McBride is really good. Um, yeah, I, LSU ain't losing this game. Um, it's a, you do want to see LSU do some things. You want to see the passing game get sharp. You want mm-hmm. to see Jaden Daniels not, not be forced to run the ball because of a pass rush. Uh, but I think, again, uh, Dwayne McBride's really good, but LSU's going to win this game. Mike, let me ask you this. In the eyes of the committee, does LSU need to win this thing convincingly, like style points is the old cliche? No, I don't think so. I think because they have Georgia looming, you beat Georgia, okay. um, you're in great shape. Um, you know, I, I don't think uh, you know if LSU wins 17-16 with some kind of miracle touchdown, uh, I think maybe the committee goes, whoa, wait a second here, maybe we've yeah. overrated LSU. But again, okay. the idea that they still have they still have Georgia left, and if you, I, I cannot foresee if LSU gets there ten and two and they beat Georgia, I cannot foresee a scenario in which LSU is left out of the playoffs if they beat Georgia. Let, let me throw Helter Skelter in there. TCU loses, uh, USC loses. Michigan or Ohio State beats the other team by three, four touchdowns. So you've got LSU beating Georgia in the SEC. Let's just throw caution to the wind. You could LSU three beats SEC. Georgia. So yeah. now you've got LSU as the SEC champion. We all feel like they probably should be in. Is there a scenario where three yeah. SEC teams get in? Yeah, I think that's a possibility. I mean, you know, maybe maybe Michigan loses to Illinois. And then Ohio State blows their doors in. Obviously, Michigan ain't going. Then, right. so yeah, I think there is. I think it's a small chance, but you know, TCU is not unbeatable. Uh, I think USC is losing this weekend, and and you're not getting a two-loss uh, Pac-12 team in. I guess right. the one scenario there is what happens uh, if Clemson or North Carolina. You know, if one of them is sitting there at eleven and one, given right. that North Carolina is thirteen, that's a long way to go. Yep. Uh, yep. Clemson's ninth this week, and I don't see how you can look at Clemson and say, "Wow, that's a team that should play for the national title." So I think, yeah, I think it's possible that the, the SEC could get three, and then the idea that, oh my goodness, when are we going to get a twelve-team playoff? Uh, everybody else is going to be like, "We should already have one." If that's the case, so there's a lot of things. 
obviously still there's a lot of football still left to be played, two regular season games and conference title games, and a lot of weird stuff still can happen. But, yeah, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that there's three SEC teams in the playoff if a lot of those things happen we've just discussed. Um, I forgot to get to this one. Oklahoma is a seven-point favorite at home over 24th-ranked Oklahoma State. It's Bedlam. Is this the season-saving uh, grace for Oklahoma? Yeah, I think so. They're, they're, they're guaranteed to have a losing record in the Big 12. Wow. That will be the first time they've had a losing record in a conference since 1998. And that's when mm. John Blake was the coach. And if you want to see at least, uh, Oklahoma fans rather break down and cry, just mention John Blake, because that's how mm. bad the Blake era was. So um, this was supposed to be a really good team. Um, offensively, they have not been close to as strong as they were under Lincoln Riley. Defensively, I think people knew they were going to be up and down. Venables needs to get his guys in there to play defense. But I think also those folks who said, oh, Lincoln Riley, what did he really do? Well, I think you look at Oklahoma's offense and realize that dude is a good coach. Um, and obviously the, some of the key players that left, uh, yeah. most notably Caleb Williams. But you're right. right. This has been a highly disappointing season for Oklahoma. And if Brent Venables wants to get some goodwill, he will not lose to Oklahoma State, which would tick yeah. off uh, a <laughs> heck of a lot of folks. Uh, with this. All right, we shall see. Mike Hugan and On3.com, week 12. It is flying by amazingly. But thank you, as always. You are the best. We will talk to you next week. Excellent. Thanks, man. All right, Mike Hugan and On3.com. Tune in next week to the Jordy Holberg Show for Hump Day with Huguenin. Here on the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Alexa and the game make a great team. Do yourself a favor and enable the Alexa skill, the game Southwest Louisiana, so you can keep it locked in to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, wherever you go. All right, finishing touches to this um, Wednesday edition. Thanks to our guest list, very esteemed, very noteworthy. Tony Barnhart, Mr. College Football, Wilson Alexander of The Advocate talking um, about LSU football. Will Guillory, Pels, back-to-back. They win against Memphis yesterday. They've got the Chicago Bulls in town tonight. And, of course, Mike Huguenin from On3.com. Not a better um, historian of football than he. He's just, he's just absolutely amazing. Tomorrow, um, and we'll recap everything from today. We'll go behind enemy lines. Yes, the Cajuns have to take on the Florida State Seminoles. Right, okay. Um, get the money and run. Get the money and run. And try and win your last one and become bowl eligible. Um, and we'll uh, have the Schwab, Frank Schwab, on for his NFL picks. Who's he going to pick, the Rams without Cooper Cup or the Saints, who, again, today it was announced that Andy Dalton will continue to start at quarterback. Jameis Winston not 100% healthy. Who in the heck is 100%? Who is? Nobody. Hey, that's the coach. He's going to sink or swim with it, plain and simple. All right, if today is your birthday, November 16th, happy birthday from all of us to all of you. You share yours with celebrating his 58th birthday, Doc Dwight Gooden, picture for the New York Mets. And believe it or not, he won the Heisman Trophy in 2001 as the quarterback for Nebraska. Happy 44th birthday to Eric 
Crouch. There you go. James, thank you. Thank you all for listening in whatever form or fashion you do. Thanks to you, our partners. We couldn't do it without you. We'll see you tomorrow, God willing. Same time, 2 to 4. Same great stations, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Until then, I'm Jordy Helpert. Stay thirsty, my friends. Be healthy. Let's be kind to everybody and be happy. Have a great day.